And I tonight want you to give your undivided attention to this man of God tonight. Because when you look at him, you're going to see Jesus. All right. You'll get it in a few minutes. You say, why is that? Because we are here in his stead. Say amen. So when you hear this man of God preach tonight, you're hearing from Jesus. Because he lives in him. And Jesus is going to stand up in Brother Livingston tonight. I want you to receive him at this time. Brother Livingston. Good, man. Thank you, Brother Peters. Praise the Lord, everyone. Shall we stand? And let's give some praise to Jesus right now. The only way you'll see Him is if you praise Him and magnify Him. But He is worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And praise the Lord, everyone. Well, praise the Lord, the rest of you. Praise the Lord, everyone. You may be seated. God bless you. What a joy to be in Nashville uh, tonight to feel the uh, the presence of the Lord. Of course, we uh, give greetings to uh, to all of you tonight. We appreciate so much Bishop Smith the invitation to come and speak at this conference, and I so much appreciate the spirit of fellowship, the attitude of uh, of your chairman or our chairman to promote fellowship. Fellowship is dear to uh, dear to our hearts. And we appreciate anyone that is interested in fellowship in the body of Christ. But it's a joy to be with you. We just are so honored to be here. Uh, My daughter was going to come and uh, sing, but she uh, got sick at the last minute, unable to be here. So you that have asked about her, that's the situation with her. But there's been good singing here anyway. My goodness, what a choir. What a choir. Brother, Brother DJ. And that choir from First Apostolic, awesome, tremendous. Would you stand with me one more time tonight? I, uh, I'll ask you to turn with me to the book of First John, chapter number 1 and verse number 7. First John, chapter 1, verse number 7. Let me also read verse number 6. Preachers are... <clears throat> Probably the dearest thing to my heart. And there's probably, this may not sound right, but there's probably more preachers here than there are saints. Not that preachers are not saints. How many preachers are in the building tonight? Let me see your hand. See, I told you. And preachers are easy to preach to. See, they get on to their folks at home if you don't get with them while they're preaching. So, see, they know what a preacher expects out of preachers. Right. And so I love preachers. God bless you. Some I have uh, met and uh, have not seen in a while. But to see you here tonight and to shake your hand, hug your neck again is uh, is dear to me. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 7. For if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, 
cleanseth us. Everybody say us. Cleanseth us from all sin. One little word in this passage of Scripture. We have fellowship one with another. We have a saying in this part of the country that probably, I know we have folks from all around the world, and uh, you, you may not use this phrase where you are from, but over here we have a, a phrase that we use that I want to title my message tonight, and that is this, my ship has come in. My ship has come in. I want you to say it with me tonight. My ship has come in. And the name of my ship is Fellowship. 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 Everybody say Fellowship. Amen. Let's lift up our hands and just rejoice in the Lord and thank Him for the Word of God tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for Your presence in this house. Touch us in this place tonight, God. In Jesus' precious name, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. It's a phrase that folks give when they're looking for better times. Possibility that they have had a streak of bad luck. And uh, maybe in their finances or in uh, some other area. And so they will say, but one of these days when my ship comes in. One of these days when my ship comes in. Well, I want to tell you that I have no worry tonight because my ship has come in. There's nothing as precious to a child of God as fellowship. I think probably the reason the devil tries to sever uh, one's relationship with another is because even the enemy knows the power of fellowship. And I'm going to talk about some of those things tonight, but, but the enemy knows that there are some things you get in fellowship that you can't get in any other measure. Some things fellowship bring to you and I that we cannot get any other way. That's why the Bible tells us it's precious. The psalmist David many years ago said uh, how precious it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Nothing in the world as precious as fellowship. He says that there is a special anointing that comes along with fellowship. There is uh, a, a, an anointing that you get in fellowship with one another that you cannot get any other way in your Christian experience. So he said it's, it's like that to the ointment that flows down the beard uh, of Aaron and even into the, into the skirts. Thank God for the fellowship that brings that special anointing. Knowing and realizing, no doubt, that there are sick folks in this building tonight, some that may didn't feel like coming. Uh, I tell you that in fellowship there is a special anointing. There is an anointing to heal. There is an anointing to deliver. There is an anointing to set free. And saints of the living God, that anointing can break any yoke that the enemy might place upon us. And the devil knows that he has no yoke that can withstand the fellowship of the saints of God. 
It is so powerful until the Bible said, If any two of you will agree on touching any one thing, whatsoever they shall ask, of me shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. So the power of two. Job spoke of it this way. Job said, One is so near to another that no air can come between them. Now, that's close. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. And as he talked about that closeness and that unity of fellowship, you see, if one is so close to another that no air can come between them, then whatever attack you put on me is felt by my brother. Now, you could catch me out by myself, out of fellowship, out of, out of fellowship with the body of Christ, and the devil could box me real good, whip me real good. But I got some news for the devil, that if one is so near to another that no air can come between them, if my fellowship is intact, then to attack me means to attack Bishop Smith. And to attack him means to attack my father-in-law. And to attack the preacher means to attack the preacher's wife. And to attack the preacher's family means to attack the church. Because if our fellowship is so knitted together and that we're so close that no air can come. Oh, but if the devil finds just a little space to drive a wedge between you and your brother, then he will drive you from fellowship. And there's where the devil can bring an onslaught that will destroy us. But as long as we're in fellowship, we're going to stand, church. As long as we're in fellowship, there will be healing. There will be deliverance. And I like what the song said. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Because in essence, it doesn't become a weapon against just me. It becomes a weapon against my brothers and my sisters. Because to attack me is to attack you. To push me around is to push this church around. And this church will not be shoved around. Come on, wave your hand and bless the Lord a little bit. Oh, come on and bless Him a little bit. <laughs> Look at somebody say, my ship has come in. I love it. Zion is where my fellowship is. Zion. The Lord said in, in the book of uh, of Psalms, David spoke of Zion. Now, of course, when you talk of Zion, you have the geographical location of Zion. But much of the times in the Scripture when the Bible spoke of Zion, he isn't talking about the geographical location, but the, uh, the spiritual application. And, and is referred to as the church of the living God. And I tell you that the Bible said, The Lord loveth, Psalms 87 and 2, The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Judah. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. There was one thing God looked forward to more than anything else in the Old Testament, and that was He looked forward to Zion. Not just the Lord, Old Testament patriarchs looked forward to Zion. And in many cases didn't even really understand what it was. But they knew there was a, a promise in Zion. There, they knew there was deliverance in Zion and healing in Zion. And, and so they, uh, they penned their words uh, much of the time concerning Zion. And he said, the Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Now that simply means uh, that, that in Israel, of all of the dwellings, 
dwellings of Israel, that the Lord looked forward to the church, looked forward to the gates of Zion more than all of the dwellings of Jacob. I mean Solomon's temple and, and, and Moses' tabernacle. And you can put every dwelling place of Israel or of Jacob together. And he said, ah, oh, that's good. But said the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all of them. That what the Lord is really looking forward to is the coming of Zion. Because there's things going to happen in Zion that ain't never happened nowhere. There are things going to happen in Zion that can't happen anywhere else. i got some news for you all. There's some things that goes on in church that can't go on anywhere else. There's some things, somebody said, oh, but preacher, I can just I can just stay home and have my own church. Well, you might do that, but i got some news for you. There's some things that goes on when you enter with the saints of God and begin to blend your voices together and you fellowship with one another. There's things that happen there that cannot happen anywhere else because God said, I love the gates of Zion and when Zion comes together, it's going to be the most precious dwelling thing. And then he said in verse 3, glorious things are spoken of thee. I'm going to mention the things that happen, says the Lord, in the city of God. He calls Zion the city of God. He, he talked about this. He said, and of Zion it shall be said, of Zion it shall be said, this and that man is born in her. This and that man is born in her. What he's saying is this, that men are going to come from all walks of life. All kinds of people are going to be born in Zion. You say, are you sure he's talking about Zion? Well, sure I am, because Zion is the only place that a man is born. Any other place a baby is born. But Zion's the only place that a man is born. I mean, a man can be 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old, and can be born in Zion. I mean to tell you, his life could have been full of misery and wretchedness, and he could have spent several centuries living for the devil. But the Bible said in Zion, this and that man can be born in her. That means life can start all over at Zion. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've been through, that life begins in Zion. Oh, he said this, and that man is going to be born in her. They will come from all walks of life. The church, the church of Zion, the fellowship of Zion, is the only place in the world that this and that man can come together and find the common denominator that brings them together. You don't know a club like the church. Most clubs are either prejudiced or biased or something. I don't know a club anywhere that, that will let the rich folks and the poor folks join. Y'all? I know, I, know, I, know, I know some clubs that, uh, that they may let the whites in, but won't let the blacks in. Y'all might as well help me preach because I'm going to anyway. I, I mean, it, it'd help you a little bit if you help me a while here tonight. There may be even some, some areas where maybe the blacks could get in and, and the whites couldn't get in. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know of a club anywhere that they'll let the educated folks and the uneducated folks join. Because the educated folks would feel in trouble if the uneducated folks come in. And I'm going to tell you all something. I know a place called Zion that, brother, you can take the president of the bank, bring him in, set him down beside of a garbage collector. They can join hands and dance together. I can tell you a place 
brother, that the educated and the uneducated can come together and feel no qualms, feel, feel no separations, but can hug one another and love one another and, and, and fellowship. You know why? Because, brother, the common denominator is the Lord Jesus Christ. And once He brings you together, this man and that man is born in her. He has a beginning. He starts all over. Oh, wave your hand a little bit and say, thank God for Zion. No place like Zion. It's a place where you can be born. And he said, birth begins. You're born in Zion. I'm telling you, brother, that it starts all over in Zion. No place like the church. No place like the fellowship of God's people. Now, I want you to understand that uh, that when you're born in Zion, it's, it's a new beginning. It, it starts all over. I, I don't really think most of us have ever comprehended what fellowship means. I don't think we really understand that when I repented of my sins and got baptized, in Jesus' name and got the Holy Ghost, brother, that my ship came in. And since that day, there's been a security in my life that I can't find anywhere else. I mean, my life began. Our life began. It doesn't matter where you were before that life begins at Zion. This and that man is born in her. I like his description of it. He even talked, to, you know, unbeknownst to some folks in verse number 7. He said the singers are going to be there. Amen. Singers are going to be there. And, and I like verse 7 also where he said, players on instruments are going to be there. It don't matter. It don't matter what some folks say about no music in the church. I want you to understand before Zion ever got here, God appointed musicians in Zion. He said there's going to be some singing going on in Zion. And, and there's going to be some instrument players. In, oh, hey, I, I want you to understand that God has designed Zion for Himself. That's why He said that the, the greatest thing to God is the gates of Zion. I mean to tell you, there, there's not even, uh, brother, an angel sitting around keeping a carbon copy of what you were before you come to God. No, no, no. No, there's, there's no files in heaven. There's no record in heaven of what you were before you were born in Zion. No, no, no. Uh, the, the angel is not sitting there uh, keeping one for Smith and one for Livingston and say, uh, file this under S for shoulders. There's no, there's no record of what I was because when I come to Zion and I got born, life began in Zion. Somebody said, well, there's got to be some kind of record. Oh, there is a record. There's a birth certificate. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's a birth certificate that said life began for you when you came to Mount Zion. I don't know about you folks, but God said, God said, I, I love the gates of Zion more than any of the, the dwellings of Jacob. Look here. If the Lord loves Zion as much as He said He does, I think some of us ought to act like we love Zion a little more than we're acting like we do. There ain't no no place like Zion. Glorious things are spoken of in Zion. Wave your hand and bless Him just a little bit. Hallelujah. So my ship has come in and my ship has come in in the form of Mount Zion. There is no place in the world like Zion. I get things in Zion that I don't get anywhere else. Praise God. The verse of Scripture, when my ship came in, it brought a blood supply of, uh, of forgiveness and remission. It was loaded with blood. Praise God that, uh, that I could uh, come to an old 
old-fashioned altar and repent of my sins and be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission or the forgiveness of my sins. And I could receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And at that point, I became new in Christ. Not only did I become new in Christ at that point, He set up for me, uh, He set up for me a future that assured me that from that point on, if I ever sin, not when I sin, but if I sin. Somebody said, what's the difference in if and when? When sounds like you're planning on it. Amen. That's why the Bible didn't say, when I sin. He said, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. I want to show you what He set up for the church. In uh, the Scripture I read to you in John 1 and 7, He said, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of His Son cleanseth us. He isn't talking about the world there. No, he's talking about us. Matter of fact, he said, he says, if we say that we have no sin, first of all, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But he says, he connects, he connects for you and I. Notice the cleansing of sin. He connects cleansing of sin for the body of Christ with fellowship with our brothers and our sisters. Now notice that. He says, we walk in the light as He is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. There is no way that you can jump around fellowship as a child of God. doesn't matter if you're a preacher, a saint, a missionary, or who we are. There is no way I can bypass fellowship and then find cleansing for my sin as a saint of God. For he said, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. But the advocate is in the fellowship with one another. And then the blood of His Son cleanseth us from all sin. No wonder the devil would like for me to divide my fellowship with you. No wonder the devil would like for you to get out of fellowship with your brother or your sister. Because he knows if you're not in fellowship with your brothers and your sisters, you can't have cleansing for sin as a child of God. Now, I didn't put it in there. He's the one that put it in there. But he says, if you want cleansing from sin as a child of God, you can't go to God and say, God, I want to make things right with you and I. For he said, if you come to an altar with your gift, and while you're in an altar, you run into problems, and you realize that you have odds between you and your brother, God said, leave your gift there. It'll stay there. And go get right with your brother. And after you get right with your brother, come on back to the altar. I'll be waiting here. But in essence, what God has said, there is no need in you trying to get right with me and be wrong with your brother. Oh, hey, I love fellowship. You ain't going to drive me off. You're not going to run me off. Hallelujah. You know why? I need the blood of Jesus. Somebody said, well, don't you know where the blood of Jesus is? Sure. The blood of Jesus is in His body, just like your blood is in your body. And if I read the Scripture right, the body of Christ is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that's where His blood is. So if I'm going to have cleansing as a preacher, 
If I'm going to have cleansing as a saint, I'm going to have to be in fellowship with the body of Christ. And as long as I'm in fellowship, there is nothing that can destroy me because saints of the living God, fellowship brings the blood in cleansing for the child of God. Wave your hand and bless Him just a little bit. So I have cleansing. Everybody say, I have cleansing. Divide fellowship, there's no more cleansing. We're not talking about organizations and differences of opinions. We're talking about fellowship. Hallelujah. Everybody say, fellowship. We have fellowship one with another. I like what John says in chapter 2 and verse number 10. He says, he talks a lot about walking in darkness. And in verse, verse 9 and 10, he says, He that saith, in verse 9, He is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. I said to the folks at IEF, if you were to ask me what is the most powerful verse of Scripture other than a changed life that Acts 2.38 brings, I would point you to 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 10. For he said, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. You want to talk about eternally secured? You want, you want to talk about, brother, going to make it? No ifs, ands, and maybes about it. It's wrapped up in fellowship. It's wrapped up in loving your brother and your sister. Hallelujah. It's wrapped up in not allowing anything to get you out of sorts with the church of the living God. Look here. It don't matter what they've done or, or who they are or what happened. What you must do as a child, that's why the devil throws so many stones. That's why we as saints of the living God have got to be careful that nothing can be divisive enough to divide my fellowship with my brother or my sister. You know why? Because saints of God, there's going to be a Occasion of this old boy in stumbling. But if I read that Scripture right, if I love my brother, if I love my sister, if we're in fellowship one with another, there is none occasion in me of stumbling. Hey, buddy, this thing's... I want you to understand that it's already settled. It's already settled if I'm in the church. You see, what I believe is the church is going to make it. I believe the church, I believe the body of Christ is going to make it. Now you have a choice as to whether or not you're going to stay in the body. But I got some news for you. The only way you're going to make it is stay in fellowship with the saints of the living God. Don't let nothing get you out of sorts and run you off from the church. Hallelujah. Don't let anything divide you from your pastor. Don't let anything drive the wedge between you and the saints of God. You're going to need me. You're going to need the church. You're going to need one another because there's power in the body of Christ to keep you not only did He bring you out, He'll keep you. Not only, brother, did He save you, the Bible said He will keep you. Hallelujah. Wave your hand a little bit and say thank you for your keeping power. Hallelujah. There's none occasion in Him of stumbling. Let me, let me hurry on. He says, He says unto us, let me run over here to chapter 5 and, and, and read a passage of Scripture for you. In, in 1 John 5 and verse number, verse number 7, notice that the writer says, Now if any, if any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, 
and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. Now he said, there is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. In other words, there is no need in praying for the sin unto death. Note that, uh, that he says uh, all unrighteousness, of course, is sin. But he says there is a sin uh, that, uh, uh, that is not only unrighteous, but he said there is a sin unto death. Now, I, I've heard it all my life. I've heard folks talk about what the sin unto death is. But I think it's very simple. If you look at the Apostle John's book... Numerous times, John, I, I think, hints to us as to what a sin, the sin unto death could be. And then he drops it on us in this past chapter. And he said, when the sin unto death occurs, no need in praying. You can pray all you want to, but you'll never, you'll never receive anything from God if you sin a sin unto death. Let's back up a little bit and look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse number, uh, verse number 11. He says, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, that we should love one another, that we should love one another. Everybody say love. That we should love one another. It's more powerful than most of us think it is. It's not something that you can, that, that you can just abstract from your life and think you can be alright as a saint of God. I'm not talking about something optional. I'm not talking about a take it or leave it. I'm talking about something that is an absolute must in the life of a child of God. And it really shouldn't be all of that hard because the Bible said the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We say we've got the Holy Ghost, and if the Holy Ghost can make you talk in tongues and, and give you joy, then surely the Holy Ghost can permeate love in my spirit. Come on, bless the Lord just a little bit. Notice what he said. He said now uh, that we should love one another. Verse 12 says, not as Cain. And notice he dropped this little, this little deal here. He said, uh, not as Cain, uh, who was... Uh, uh, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, uh, when he slew his brother, and, and whereof uh, the Bible said that he slew him because uh, his own works were evil and his brother's works were righteous. Then he dropped a little statement in there. And when I first, uh, I, you know, I looked at that for a long time, and it almost looked out of context. Here's what he said. It was almost like he just dropped it in there. Uh, and, and at first it's almost out of place. But notice, after he said, love one another, and then he said, not like Cain who slew his brother because of jealousy. Verse number 13, he simply said, marvel not, my brethren, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. I thought, why in the world did he just drop that right in the middle of that? Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. It is no marvel to me if the world hate us. It's no amazement to me if somebody in the world don't like me. That, that, that never, uh, because uh, uh, they are of this world. Now, I'm going to tell you what you can marvel at. I'm going to tell you what you can be amazed at. When somebody that's in the body of Christ hates somebody else that's in the body of Christ. Don't let it amaze you when the world hates you. Don't think a thing about it when the world hates you. But it ought to shock every one of us when a brother or a sister gets hatred in their heart against some of the saints of God. Hallelujah. Come on, wave your hand and bless Him just a little bit. I mean, look here. It ought to be unquestionable. 
It ought to be unquestionable that one apostolic preacher would dislike another apostolic preacher. It ought to be unquestionable that one of the Holy Ghost filled saints that are apostolic, that have received the revelation of the oneness of God. Hallelujah. I love what Brother Fuller said in the business. I don't know if everybody caught that or not. But he said the Lord brought a verse of Scripture to him in a dream that he wasn't even aware of what the Scripture said. But when he woke and he read the Scripture, that it said, As Christ has received you, so receive ye one another. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, saints of God, that as Christ received us, we ought to extend that same, uh, that same spirit of love and forgiveness to one another. That's what this fellowship is all about. That's what the rows are all about. I don't care how much folks talk about you. It wouldn't surprise me. It don't surprise me when the world hates you. It don't surprise me that the world hated your brother and your dad. But what does surprise me is that there have been some apostolic brethren that have things in their heart. Hey, that, hey, Paul, look here. John said, hey, don't it mar- don't marvel when the world hates you. But, buddy, you better set up and take notice and say, oh, dear God, I've got a brother that hates another brother or a sister that hates you. Hey, it's out of the question for saints not to love one another. Everybody stand with me and lift your hand and bless him a little bit. Out of the question. Out of the question. Out of the question. Out of the question that a brother shouldn't love a brother. Don't marvel. Don't be amazed if the world hates you because Jesus said, Remember, when they hate you, they hated me first. So don't be amazed that the world don't like you. But the shock of my life was. You can be seated. The shock of my life. I was, when I was in the world and I come to the Lord, I did, honest to God, what I'm going to tell you is the truth. I did not know there was such a thing as an organization. I just thought everybody got baptized in Jesus' name, saw the revelation of the oneness of God, and they were just all good old apostolic tongue-talking folks. Man, I was raised back in the sticks. And I come to the Lord. The Lord called me to preach at about 15 years old. My pastor called me the voice of one crying out of the woods. My pastor, Brother Bob McCool, never told me anything about that there are various organizations. I think probably he should have filled me in. I was used to the denominal world carrying on. But, you know, in my first revival, my first revival, somebody asked me, said, are you with us? And I said, well, sure, I'm with you. A few days later, he came to me and asked me, he said, hey, somebody told me that you wasn't, or the group that he was with, somebody told me you wasn't in there. Oh, I said, I misunderstood you. I thought you asked me if I was with you, not if I was in your organization. Hallelujah. And I found out, brother, in my first revival that this one was in this and said you need to be in this, you've got to be in And if you're not in this, you get I, I learned. And you know what? That amazed me as a young child of God. And I'm going to tell you, good folks, something. From that day to this, I marvel. Honest to God, I amaze when I hear, when I hear one Christian. It doesn't matter even if it's in my church. I'm mar- I absolutely amazed when one saint uh, is disgusted so much that they get hatred in their 
her heart against another. You know why? That's why he mentioned Cain. He said, don't love as Cain did. And the Bible said that Cain slew his brother. And then he goes on to say in verse number 15, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer just as sure as Cain slew Abel. If a brother hates, hey, no wonder the devil would like for me to turn on you. No wonder the devil would like for me to divide my fellowship with the apostolics. No wonder the devil would like me to find some little old quirk or some little old area that don't matter to a hill of beans. No wonder the devil would like for me to find some little issue and me divide my fellowship because of some little issue. Because he knows, brother, that if I ever get something in my heart that divides me from you, I am in trouble. But as long as I am with you, as long as we're in fellowship, as long as we're bonded together with the Holy Ghost, no power from hell, no power from hell, no power from hell, neither height, neither depth, neither darkness, neither things present, neither things to come, nothing shall separate me from the love of God, and that is in fellowship. Hallelujah. Wave your hand and bless Him a little bit. Give me just a few more moments. I, I don't know what time it is. I lost my watch. I did. I lost my watch. <laughs> Hallelujah. Notice what he says. He says in verse number 14, I skipped it on purpose. I want to come back to it. He said, for we know, we know that we have passed from death to life. Because... We love the brethren. We know. Hey, don't show me your card. Show me your love. Don't show me your credentials. Show me your love. Don't tell me where your headquarters is from. Tell me where you're headed. I'm telling you, I'm this close to feeling my shouting spirit. Hallelujah. I, I, I want you to understand that he said we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Look here. We, we can do all we want to, but there's a world looking on. There's a world looking at us. And the Bible simply says, by this shall all men know. You know the Scripture. Somebody said, then why are you telling us if we know it? I'm kind of like John. John said, now I'm not writing this to you because you don't know the truth. You remember him saying that? But he said, I'm writing this to you because you know the truth. I'm not telling you this because you folks don't know it. I'm telling you this because you do know it. Amen. And he said, that this shall all men know that ye are my disciples in that you have love one for another. Love one for another. Somebody said, oh, I've heard that for so long. We might have heard it. But brother, I think because of the spirit of unity that's happening uh, among the apostolics right now, I think love, brother, is going to really come alive. I think we're going to understand more about love and what fellowship means in the last days than we ever have since the days of the apostles. 
I don't mean to, that we have to agree with everybody on everything, but I mean we will not allow anything to, dis- to sever our relationship with our brothers and our sisters. Somebody said, who is my brother? You might not like this, so fasten your seatbelt. Anybody that's repented of their sins and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and has received the gift of the Holy Ghost and are speaking in tongues is your brother. Somebody said, I choose who I fellowship. You can't do that. You might pick your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. I said you're stuck with your kinfolk. If you've been blood-bought, water-washed, spirit-filled, hallelujah, I want you to know there is a connection between us. I I, I like what the brother, I I love some of the things I heard today. One brother said, I go all over the world, and everywhere I go, there's a kindred spirit. I mean, you can go, you can go among the Muslims, but if those folks have heard this truth and are repented, been baptized in Jesus' name, all barriers are put aside. Hallelujah. It's awesome to see what God does when Jesus brings folks together in Zion. Hey, I just come to the conference to tell you, your greatest possession is not your shouting. Troublemaker shout. Your greatest possession is not your oratorship. I've seen good orators commit adultery. You might well say, man, you know it's the truth. Amen. Our greatest commodity, brother, is not our dancing and ain't nobody believes any more than I do. But the greatest commodity the apostolic church has is fellowship. Hallelujah. With it, you cannot go down. But without it, you'll never amount to a hill of beans. Come out and have fellowship one with another. i got to hurry. Listen. He said we know we pass from death unto life. Because we love the brethren. Then he comes on over in chapter 5, in verse number 16, and he said, Now if you see a brother sin, a sin in the death, and he shall ask uh, life, uh, notice that he said uh, he cannot receive it because there is a sin unto death. Now, if the way I received, if the way I received life is, he said, we know we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. If love was the measure by which I passed from darkness to life, now that I am in life, how could I go back to death? Because there is a sin unto death. If it took love to bring me to where I am, out of darkness, into life, out of death, into life, then if I allow hatred, if I allow malice and envy and strife to develop in my spirit, and I start hating you and, and divide our fellowship, I want to tell you, it takes me back to where I come from. It takes me back because, brother, the only thing that brought us out, that's the measuring stick, is because we love the brethren. If it took love, and if it's love that brought us to life, then, brother, hatred will take us back into death. I'm going to tell you, there is no life where folks don't love. Don't pray for revival where folks don't even ask for life. If you're, if you're in the sin and the death, if you hate folks, if you don't love the brethren, if you're not in fellowship with all of apostolic people, Don't pray for life. He says you can't have it. You can sin any kind of a sin. 
Now that's what John said. He said, it doesn't matter what kind of sin you might commit. If you sin that sin, you shall ask and you'll get life. But if you commit the sin unto death, which is hatred and hating the brothers and sisters, no need in praying for it. He said, stop praying for it. You can't have it. Now church, I'm going to tell you this. I believe that there are a lot of folks that are praying for blessings and are praying for miracles and are praying for revival. Hallelujah. And are not in fellowship with the body of Christ. They have hatred and malice. Somebody done them dirty and they've carried a grudge. Look, it don't matter who done what to me. I don't have a right to spend the rest of my life carrying a grudge against somebody that done me wrong. My spirit can't carry that. My spirit can't handle that. It don't matter what they threw me out of or who's talked about me. I've got to be responsible that I keep the love of God and the forgiveness of God in my spirit lest I return unto the death that I came out of. Oh, come on. I wave your hand and bless Him just a little bit. Hallelujah. God help us that we as saints of God never commit a sin unto death. Hallelujah. I'm going to close. I'm going to close with this. I believe there's so much power in knowing who we are. And I don't think it's really dawned on a lot of us where we are. Abraham sought for where we are. He sought for a city. It wasn't heaven that Abraham was searching for. He sought for a city that had foundation, whose builder and whose maker was God. Paul comes along and said, now we've come to Mount Zion. Now we've come to that holy city. Hey, saints, we made it to the new Jerusalem. New Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem, is not what's coming just in the future. The heavenly Jerusalem has already come. Hallelujah. And we're part of it. We're making it up. See, John said, I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. But before she can come down out of heaven, she's got to get up to heaven. I'm planning for my first exodus out of here. How about y'all? We're going. New Jerusalem is going to go. That's where we are in the in the city of the living God. And John dealt with this. And I I listened to uh, Brother Fuller today, and I said to Brother Hogg, he is introducing my sermon tonight. Hallelujah, Amen. That could mean two things: either he's supposed to say it, and I'm not supposed to, or he was supposed to say it, and I'm supposed to reiterate it. The second is what I have chosen because I don't believe the impact was great enough when we said it the first time today. I believe you and I are in the greatest place in the world. I think the greatest thing that can happen is men come from all over the world and all over the nation and come together with our little, little small little differences that don't mean anything. And we can come together under the banner of apostolic doctrine that sets in order a power that you can't get anywhere else in this world. Wave your hand, bless him a little bit, because I'm 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 coming on around the corner now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it on down. Everybody, wave your hand, and say thank you, Jesus. Paul dealt with something in the first in the eleventh chapter of the first Corinthians when he started his dissertation on some things that's brought a lot of discussion and a lot of uh, a lot of disagreement and and a lot of uh, uh, things, but. Paul, in the 11th chapter of the 1st Corinthians, when he began on his dissertation of some things that we call standards of holiness, and we all believe in them. But before Paul began that, he wrote to the church and he said, Look, he said unto them, 
in, in verse 2 of chapter 11. Now he said, Brethren, I praise you. I praise you, brethren, that you remembered me in all things and kept the ordinances that I've delivered unto you. And then he began his dissertation to the church that at that time Paul said, I praise you. Amen. So, you know, some of the things, and you can read it for yourself. I'm not going to mention it because i got my own idea and you got yours, but that's okay. Hallelujah. You know, I, I used to think one of these days everybody in the church is going to see eye to eye with me. I, I used to think one of these days every preacher is going to agree with me on every issue. But hey, I have come to the conclusion just a few minutes ago. Actually, a few years ago, I come to the conclusion that you don't have to, you don't have to see eye to eye with me on everything. Huh? For me to fellowship you. Wave your hand a little bit and say, praise the Lord. Let's go on. So Paul, uh, the apostle, wrote to them, and he said, I praise you. And then, he, and then he talked about some things that evidently did not bring near as much problem with the church at Corinth as it does to some churches today. But I want you to notice, he goes on down, closes his dissertation, and verse number 17, he starts saying this. Verse number uh, 16, he said, But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. In this that I'm getting ready to declare. He has first said, I'm going to declare some things to you that I praise you in. Now he stops in the middle of the chapter and he said, now there's some things that I want to say to you that I praise you not in. And then he goes on. He said, for first of all, when, when I come into the church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And he said, I partly believe it. Now he said, I won't tell you. I, I praise you in what you've done right. But he said, now I praise you not in this spirit of division. And he tells us why. He even goes into a dissertation here on the Lord's Supper. And, and as he begins that, uh, the issue is really not how I feel about the Lord's Supper. Man, I've been in some good arguments over whether it's wine or whether it's grape juice or whether it's spiritual. That's really not what Paul's even dealing with. That, that's not the crux of the whole matter. Amen. I want you to know this. Uh, what the apostle is talking with comes on down in this verse of Scripture. He said there is divisions among some of y'all. There are divisions. But notice what Paul really wanted to get to was this. In verse, in verse number 28, uh, he said, But let a man examine himself. Verse 29, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Why? Not discerning the Lord's body. The crux of the whole matter was, it don't matter about some of our little differences. What does matter is that we discern the Lord's body. Now, the discerning of the Lord's body, Paul is not just dealing here with that 33-year-old body that Jesus had when He was crucified. But He tells us also in the book of Corinthians that you are many members, but you're one body. That we are the body of Christ. I want you to understand that when anything happens among us that makes us so divided until we do not discern the Lord's body... 
or my brother or my sister or the importance of fellowship, then brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that damnation takes place because I'm doing it in an unworthily fashion, not discerning the Lord's body. Now notice this. He said, and for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. For what cause? Because you have differences of opinion? No, 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 no. He said, because you don't discern the Lord's body. There are many who are weak and sick among you and some have already died. Now, Paul, the, the Word of God, teaches by implication. If he was saying this, now, I, I want you to hear me. In my closing statement tonight, if Paul was saying, because you do not discern the Lord's body, you're out of fellowship with one another. you got this division and that division and this ism and that schism. And Paul said, because of that, you're not discerning the Lord's body. You look and say, oh, he's not with us. I think a horrible thing to say about your apostolic brother is he's not with us. I hate that phrase. Hallelujah. Wave your hand if you agree with me. If you don't agree with me, say, oh, that hurt. Hallelujah. Let me say to you that he said the problem is not discerning the Lord's body. Lotus, implication. The implication is this. The Bible teaches by implication one of the ways. If he was implying that by not discerning the Lord's body, many are sick, many are weak, and many have already died. The implication is, what if, what if, all of a sudden, we start discerning the Lord's body. If the implication is because you don't discern the Lord's body, there's sickness and there's weakness and, and there's even death. What about the implication that what if we do discern the Lord's body? Hallelujah. Then what happens to the sick? Then what happens to the weak? Hallelujah. Then the weak can say, I am strong. In discerning the Lord's body, miracles began to take place. I want to tell you, good folks, there's something in this house tonight. There's enough power and deliverance in fellowship. If I could get you to just just for a few moments, go into it with me. There's enough power in fellowship. You wouldn't have to have anybody call you out and tell you what's wrong with you. You wouldn't have to somebody get up here and cheerlead and say, Come on, give me a J, give me an E, give me an S. We do things like that because it hasn't dawned on us yet where we are. We've come to Mount Zion, to the General Assembly of the Church of the Firstborn, where cancer can be healed, where heart attacks can be delivered, where God cleanses the leper, unstops deaf ears, opens blind eyes. Come on, bless Him a little bit. I'm waiting on some of you to get on board here. Oh, by the time we close, we're pulling to the top of the mountain. But by the time we close, I want to head down the other side and see what God will do. Do you realize if we, if we really knew where we were, if we discern who's sitting beside of you, you know what you could do? You wouldn't have to wait, uh, brother, for somebody to come to you and tell you maybe what's wrong with you or come up here and say, Pastors, pray for me. You could turn to someone beside of you and say, Brother, I'm sick. And the Bible said if two of us will agree, whatever we ask for will happen. Would you agree with me? Some of you are not catching it yet, are you?
I'm just trying to tell you, we come to church and count the cobwebs and look around, show our suits and our dresses off, see what kind of car we can drive up in and look around and see who's here this year that wasn't last year. Brother, if it would desire, if it, all of a sudden we would discern who we are. There's enough power in just taking somebody's hand and raising it up with yours and a healing virtue could sweep through this place and God could heal the sick and God could deliver somebody and somebody would receive the Holy Ghost all because we discern the Lord's body. I kind of think it'd happen better if you'd stand to your feet. I think you could get ready for it a little easier if you get on your feet. Hallelujah. Take somebody by the hand. Reach across the aisle. Join somebody by the hand that's across the aisle. Come on. Step out in the aisle. Let's don't have any barriers. Get a hold of somebody. Put, say, put somebody's hand up and let's begin to discern who we are and where we are. If, if you got something against your brother, run to him and make it right. If you got something against your brother or sister, run to him and get it right. Because God is in this house and there are miracles and power and deliverance in this house. Why? Because we are in fellowship one with another. Come on. Come on. Come on. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? You're in Mount Zion. You're in the General Assembly of the church. Come on, I'm closing, but something's happening. I'm closing, but something's happening. Come here, I've been wanting to just touch you all day. (laughs) My God, God's giving you good reports. I believe they can get better because of the fellowship you're in. Hallelujah. You know what determines victory for this man? Your fellowship. Our fellowship. Our fellowship one with one with another. It doesn't matter what the element is, what's going on. I'm telling you, from this night on, you can be cured. You can be made whole. Not because I told you, not because I called you out, but because it's in the body. It's in the body. It's in the body. It's in fellowship. It's in fellowship. It happens because of our fellowship one with another. Hallelujah. Whoever hands you got a hold of, reach it. Put it up with yours right now. And let's bless the Lord one more time. Got me a good song. Hallelujah. 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 (laughs) I challenge you. I challenge you. We're going to sing in a minute, but I challenge you tonight. If there's anything between you and a brother or a sister, leave your gift where you are now. Nobody's going to make fun of you or ask you any questions. You don't even have to break into a long dissertation of what it is. But just go to him or her, put your arm around them and say, Would you please forgive me? I need you in the body of Christ. I need you. And I don't want anything to be in my heart against you. And healing will happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From the front to the back. Lift up both hands now.
Come on, do it with me, preachers. Come on. Do it with me, pastor. Do it with me right now. Ah, come on. Sing me a song. Come on. You need the Holy Ghost. You can come and receive it tonight. If you feel like you need to have hands laid on you, you can come and have hands laid on you. I'm believing God because my ship has come in. I said my ship has come in. Oh, we're going to bless Him right now for just a minute. We're going to bless Him for just a minute. Sweet Holy Spirit. Anybody see Jesus yet? Well, Peter said we're going to see Jesus. Anybody see Him yet? Hallelujah. I see Him in the praise of the saints. I see Him in the praise of the saints tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Touch me. Touch me. As you have so many times before. Once more, just reach out, reach out your hand, touch me one more time. Hallelujah! One more time. Oh, touch me. Help me to love my brother one more time. With your spirit. I wonder if I could impose on Holy Spirit on every preacher to come with me tonight and let's Jesus just just line up across here. Every preacher, would you come? Would you come with me? Every pastor, every preacher, would you come? Would you join hands with one another, brother? Let's sing. Let's sing, bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Oh, bind us together. Bind us together. Lord, bind us. Together with love. Revival is in fellowship. Oh, bind us together. Bind us together with cords. Cords that cannot be broken. Cannot be broken. Say what you want to. Here's where it starts. Here's where it starts. Oh, bind us together, bind us together with love. Close your eyes and think about whose hands you're holding. Bind us together. Saints, let's join hands back there. As the pastors join hands, here's where it starts and this is where it can stop. Power is invested in the ministry. Be broken. Oh, 
together bind us hallelujah let us let us let us let us love him right now hallelujah Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want someone right now. Did you understand what this preacher said tonight? That we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. I want you to look at three people right now and say, My ship has come in. My ship has come in. My ship has come in.